Welcome back to another episode of The Lawyer You Know, and today we're going to be discussing the Ravi Zacharias scandal. It's not such a great news topic, but there's a lot of legal intricacies to it. We're going to talk about a lot of different things that happen in sexual scandals in the workplace, in different big companies and ministries and churches. This hits a lot of different aspects that have a legal angle to them, so we're going to discuss that. It's a sad story. We'll get into the details. If you haven't heard about it before, there's going to be something interesting in here for you to learn. So hopefully you stick around to listen to it. And if you do like this podcast, if you listen to this podcast regularly, please subscribe. It helps us out. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, however you listen to this podcast. If you'll give us a review, let us know what you think. And then we love to hear your questions and do topics that you guys are interested in. So if you find us on social media at Tragos Law pretty much everywhere, and you have a question or a topic you want to hear on the podcast, please let us know. And now let's jump into Rabbi. So for those of you who don't know who Rabbi Zacharias is, he is a theologian, an evangelist, an apologist for the Christian faith, or he was, I should say, he passed away this year. He's known for debating college students and intelligent, brilliant atheists on the topic of religion. He uh, debated other religious leaders just to talk about differences in the Bible, differences in their faith, and he would argue his point and debate back and forth, and he was amazing at it. He was brilliant, incredibly smart, and powerful man. He made a lot of money through his ministry, and it turns out that now it has come out after his death that he was also a sexual deviant and took advantage of females throughout his process and throughout his ministry and used his ministry in this. Uh, One major red flag I didn't know about until all this came out as he also owns a few massage parlors, which should be a red flag for any pastor um, or religious leader these days. He did own a few of them, and some of the massage therapists were some of the victims, and he traveled a lot throughout the country and all around the world. And it turns out this sexual conduct followed him where he went, and he took advantage of many women throughout the process, which is unfortunately something that happens with a lot of rich and powerful people in the world today, and it it did not um, stray from Ravi, it seems like. So one of the questions I want to start with is, why have we not heard about this prior to his death? You know, usually you hear when these scandals are going on, and this has been going on for many, 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 many years, as we'll get into what the report that they actually did an investigation and what it found, but this is happening for many years, and not a lot of people, even in the Christian circles that read his books and watched his um, YouTube videos and podcasts and watched his debates and even went to his debates had any inkling of this at all, and it's hard to believe in today's day and age with social media and things like that. Well, it turns out that there was at least one lawsuit in his past about a woman woman that said that Ravi was sending her texts soliciting sexual um, pictures and videos and things like that from her. And eventually that case settled and there was a non-disclosure agreement signed and a confidentiality agreement signed between the two of them when the case settled and he paid her an undisclosed amount of money. That's obviously a red flag, but because of that NDA, not a lot of people knew this even existed. So I want to touch for a second on what a non-disclosure agreement is. It is an agreement entered into by multiple parties, and they agree not to disclose any facts 
about what is in this agreement or what happened in their case or what happened in their business together. Because sometimes it's signed when a new employee comes into business and he's going to learn some confidential information that the employer doesn't want him to take on his next job. Sometimes something happens where there's a lawsuit and you sue a business in a slip and fall case because of some defect they have that caused an injury and they don't want you to go talking about this to the news or anybody finding out they're willing to pay you for your silence. Basically, you sign a non-disclosure agreement, you get that money and you cannot break that silence or you lose your money and they still don't agree to anything. So a non-disclosure agreement is... Nothing more than you have to keep quiet about whatever it is that I'm paying you for and whatever it is that we're talking about. And that is something that happened in Ravi Zacharias's case with one of the females that filed a lawsuit um, against him years ago. So within that lawsuit, Ravi Zacharias actually took extra steps to try to cover this up. And another reason we probably didn't hear about it and the NDA was so tight sealed is because he countersued her for extortion and actually, you know, did it under the the RICO statute, which is not a joke. It is a racketeering statute and it actually has criminal implications and potentially could have had a criminal investigation that accompanied an, a, a claim like this and a claim like he had, which said she was just trying to extort him out of money. He never did any of this. And then again, they ended up settling. So he actually countersued her, took measures legally to, again, try to intimidate her and force her to go away. We don't know what happened in that case. It's going to come out in the investigation later. But at the time, you know, I'm sure there was a ton of people that stuck up for Ravi because of his character and because of, you know, what he spent his lifetime doing. But at that point, it seems like he was just trying to cover up. And the last reason, along with the NDA and the cover up in the countersuit is money. Ravi Zacharias and the RZIM, uh, Ravi Zacharias International Ministry is a multi-million dollar ministry. Ravi Zacharias was getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in salary. He had a lot of power. He had a lot of money. Um, and he had a lot of clout. Um, so a lot of us didn't know this was going on because he used that to cover it up and to make it seem like everything was fine. So that's you know unfortunate, but that's kind of how we got to where we are now. So what we know now is there were tons of allegations made against Ravi Zacharias. And in late August of 2020... Ravi Zacharias had engaged in sexual misconduct and abuse in connection with his two spas that he owned. And so RZIM, the Ravi Zacharias International Ministry, I'll just refer to it as RZIM, hired a law firm, Miller and Martin PLLC, and they have experience in corporate sex crimes investigations, and they were hired to conduct an independent investigation. So this is interesting, and this is another place I want to pause. So there are some law firms and companies that specialize in investigating these big corporations for scandals that go on. Now, what's interesting is a lot of times, and I would be, I would even say most of the time, we never know about it. The public doesn't hear that these law firms were brought in to do an internal investigation and report to the CEO or the higher ups, maybe the owner of the company, about what they found. It can be done if they feel like there's a leak in the company. It can be done if they feel like there's misconduct by the higher ups. It can be done to protect the company or sometimes to protect the employee. But many times it's done to protect the company. In this case, it seems Rava Zacharias Ministries is really trying to be above board. So they wanted to hire this independent law firm to come in and do this independent investigation filed a report, and Ravi Zacharias Ministries actually posted the full report on their website. They are trying to be very transparent. What's interesting, too, is this law firm was hired to specifically do an independent investigation into 
Rava and his ministry, but this is exactly what lawyers do. This is exactly what we all do. Whether you're a government prosecutor, you're doing an investigation trying to prove criminal allegations, you're a personal injury lawyer trying to gain um, evidence and understanding of what happened, what the defects are, how this negligence occurred, how this person got hurt, you're putting together evidence to prove this and to prove your theory, or you're a defense attorney and you're trying to gather evidence that proves the innocence of your client or shows that the other side can't prove what it is that they're saying um, your client is doing. So that's what lawyers do. They, they gather information, they gather evidence, and they prove their point. So in this case, they're gathering evidence and they're putting together a report just to show what they found. They're not necessarily trying to prove a case. They're just trying to truth seek at this point and see what they could find when they're going through all of the stuff they're doing for the Rabbi Zacharias ministry. So let's talk about the scope of their investigation and report. They have, so when we have cases, we have subpoena power. We can force certain people to give us certain documents, especially people that are parties to the case. We file a subpoena, you have to give us certain documents like medical records or um, manuals, service manuals, training manuals for your company, depending on what it may be, other employees' names, information. We have power to force those documents out of, of opposing parties in cases. Well, they don't have subpoena power in this case, but what they do have is permission which is even better than subpoena power because once you have permission, you can run wild with it. And apparently, Rabbi Zechariah Ministries gave them permission to talk to anybody they wanted to talk to, look through anything they wanted to look through. They gave them access to Rabbi's phones, computers, email addresses, everything they could get in order for um, this independent firm to find out the truth. They're seeking the truth. They want to know what happened. They want to know who the victims are. They want to know how they can help them, right? So, The scope is interesting, and there's pros and cons to hiring a firm to do this within your company. And again, it is a ministry, but it's a multi-million dollar ministry. It's like a big company. It's not, not much different from that. So the pros to doing something like this and having an independent investigation done by a law firm like Miller and Martin is that it is voluntary, you're going to hand over all the information, and you're going to make these findings public. So you're being transparent and you're trying to put your best foot forward as a company. Now, the cons to something like this is they choose the firm, they pay the firm, and we don't know what discussions are happening before this public report is made public, right? Are they getting edits to look at? Are they taking anything out? Are they changing it? We would never know. There's attorney-client privilege. They could still hide stuff. They could still change what the document says that we all see. But, you know, we can hope they don't do that, and we can hope what we're seeing is the whole truth and nothing but the truth and nothing's being held back. So we don't necessarily know that, but it's better than doing nothing, right? They could have done nothing. They could have just said they were sorry, and they could have just tried to go back into oblivion and hope nobody talked about it anymore. But instead, they had this independent investigation done. They probably spent a lot of money on it and they've actually made the report public. So what did this independent investigation find? They found that there were multiple women around the world, around the country, and yes, around the world that Rabbi Zacharias had inappropriate relationships with. He had hundreds of photos of women that were not his wife on his phone. He had email chains and text chains back and forth with these women talking about giving them money for sexual favors. Um, Some of them were massage therapists in his spas. Some of them he brought in to work at his spas and give them money, pay for school, pay for things that they needed in order to keep this sexual relationship going and keep this sexual relationship a secret. He also used the ministry 
twisted biblical passages to try to guilt and and keep these women and seduce these women and induce these women into these sexual relationships and get them hooked in and be a sexual predator, it's so it seems, and using the ministry and, like I said, twisting biblical passages to get them to that point, using money, using power, using influence to get these women in the situation and keep them there. And many women had similar stories about how it started in the massage room, and it's, I will save the graphic details but there were a lot of similar factual scenarios that were set up by a bunch of different women, like I said, across the country and across the world, which seems to legitimize these claims. They didn't have any reason to believe that they weren't true, but a lot of this was found out and put into the report and aired out on Ravi Zacharias International Ministries' uh, main website page, the first thing you see if you look it up. So the question is, so they've done the right thing, apparently. They've gotten this independent firm. They had them come look at there and do an investigation and air out all their dirty laundry publicly. So now what? Well, what the ministry has decided to do is reform and restitution. So they're trying to reform in the way that they've hired a a victim's advocate who will consult and educate their leadership and their board of directors. They've hired a compliance and management consulting firm to go through all of Rabbi Zachariah's ministry policies, procedures, practices, and finances, and do a totally independent and have full transparency on anything that they find and anything that they want to change. So they're bringing in companies that specialize in fixing a just basically a toxic culture at a corporation or a company. They're going to come in, make sure that this is fixed from the top down, make sure nobody else is involved. And if they are, get rid of them, basically make sure the fine because he was actually literally using ministry dollars to pay some of these women to keep these sexual relationships going. So this go, runs all the way through and has all sorts of crossover with the ministry, not just him personally. So that's the reform that they're trying to put together. They're making it public and they're making it hard, basically. So we've had cases where companies have done horrible things, whether it was discrimination or whether it was giving out personal identifiable information about their employees. And this is part of the lawsuit. Sometimes we sue to get this type of reform. You hear people say all the time, I don't care about the money. I care about the principle. We usually say you can't always accomplish the principle because at some point they're going to offer enough money where you want to sign this confidentiality agreement and go away without changing the the culture of the company. But we but every once in a while it does happen where the company culture does change. And it's happened to us before and we've had independent companies and firms go in investigate their policies. And we always don't know what the changes are, but we have a formal agreement that says whatever they advise that you need to change in your corporation's culture, you will change. And that's something the defendant has to sign under oath that goes in front of the judge. And if they don't make those changes, then boom, it can come back on them and there can be liquidated damages, meaning more money they have to pay for not changing that culture. So that has happened in a few cases. And that's what they're trying to preemptively do before they're forced to. They're saying, we want to do this. We want to make these changes. Changes. So it seems like the perfect response from a corporation when something like this comes out. It seems like there'd be a lot less lawyers in the world if more corporations did this or just more lawyers doing independent independent investigations. So the same victim's advocate that they're having um, educate the board of directors and educate the leaders on the conduct that should be going on in their company and the culture they should have. They're also having that victim's advocate interview victims and potential victims that might not be known yet. Talk to them about what happened in their case, console them, get them hooked up with therapy if they need it. Rabbi Zacharias Ministry is going to pay for that therapy and also pay more restitution as the victim at, victim's advocate and a panel feel is necessary. So they're going to put together a fund that's available for these victims to draw from as restitution for what Ravi did to them. Okay, another great preemptive step 
for them to take and try to make things right for what the leader of this ministry did to all of these women. Again, like I said, these seem like really great steps, but does that mean the case is over and that there won't be any lawsuits and that all these victims are just going to have to pull from this fund? Well, no. There are still going to be lawsuits. There are still going to be victims that don't accept whatever this restitution is, that maybe don't trust um, RZIM. They don't trust this independent firm or independent investigation. There's nothing that says that these people are precluded from filing lawsuits because of the steps taken by Ravi Zacharias International Ministry. So what are they going to do? Well, what's likely to happen, whether we hear about it or not, I don't know, because again, a lot of these settlements can happen confidentially outside of court. But what's likely to happen is all of these individual victims filing individual lawsuits. They could be fighting lawsuits all over the country and all over the world. Now, they can respond to these lawsuits in one of three ways. Number one, they can pay the victims whatever they want. It seems like that's what they want to do, and that seems all great and good. The problem with that is it may not be physically or financially possible. They could be asking for way more money than the ministry has, way more money than the ministry assets. So if they can't pay them all, they really have no choice but to litigate some of these cases. So if they, number two, the second way they can respond is to fight it. And when I say fight it, I don't mean say that Ravi didn't do this to anyone. I mean, there are some potential ways to fight individual cases. Number one, there could be a victim that is not a Um, legitimate victim. It could be somebody trying to jump on the bandwagon and get a free book. I know we hate to say that, but it is possible and people do it. We have people calling us trying to do things like this all the time. They think personal injury lawyers are ambulance chasers and just after any greedy buck we can get and snake oil salesmen. And most of us are not. Some of us are. There are some personal injury lawyers that do do that. And there's a few bad apples that give the whole bunch a bad name, but most personal injury lawyers will turn them away. Sometimes when something like this comes up, it's easy to jump on the bandwagon for a struggling PI lawyer trying to make a buck, and they may try to jump on and assume they're just going to pay everyone. And if that's the case, there could be some illegitimate victims coming forward and filing lawsuits, and they should fight those because it not only does it waste their money and make Ravi look even worse than he already is and deserves to be, but it also delegitimizes the victims that actually were victimized throughout this process. So it's bad for everyone to have these Um, illegitimate victims pop up trying to grab a buck from a terrible situation. So they may fight some individual illegitimate victims. Number two, they may fight the amount of damages. If they're all asking for a billion dollars, that may be unnecessary. We don't know, and there's no amount of money that's going to take back what happened to these women, and nothing's going to ever... Um, you know, stop Ravi from doing what he already did. So, you know, there's not a dollar amount, but in the world we have in the civil court system in America, we only have money damages to fix injuries and and emotional distress like this. So we have to put a dollar amount on it and it's not a billion dollars. So how do we come to what that number is? A lot of times it's throughout a lawsuit. We have a lot of lawsuits we file where people agree that they're at fault for the damages, but they don't necessarily agree on what that number is. And sometimes we can litigate those cases for years. So that's an element that could be litigated in these Rabbi Zacharias cases is they could be fighting about the amount of damages, not necessarily whether or not Rabbi did anything wrong, because it seems like they're agreeing with that. 
there's a federal rule that actually, and this is just kind of a side note. So if they were going to fight all these cases, instead of having to hire lawyers in every single state, there is a federal rule that allows you to consolidate a bunch of cases that are similarly situated in one jurisdiction. So you can hire one firm to handle that case. And they kind of go through the path of just one firm. They do this for judicial economy, takes less time, takes less money. You don't want to clog up courts in 12 different states. If you can just do it in one state and it's going to take the same amount of time, same discovery, they're all going to get similar discovery. They're all going to have similar questions for Rabbi Zacharias Ministries. So that's just a side note to make it a little more streamlined because it is a miserable task to hire different lawyers or lawyers that are barred in multiple states and try to handle all these different states because it's not going to be enough to be a class action lawsuit, but there's still so many cases that make it miserable and financially impossible for defendants. So that's just a side note that we may see them all consolidated into one jurisdiction. Interesting legal tidbit on this Ravi Zacharias situation and other corporate sex scandals and misconduct done by superiors at work is punitive damages. So when something is horribly wrong about a company, including their culture, their practices, their procedures, their finances, whatever it may be, legally you can ask for damages that punish that company. I'm sure that if any of these victims file lawsuits against Ravi himself or the company, then they will ask for punitive damages to punish this wrongdoing, and they'd likely be successful. But what's really important and interesting about the fact that they had an independent investigation done, that independent investigation found wrongdoing, and they have now implemented reform and restitution, which we've already spoken about, that is a huge mitigation to punitive damages. Because the purpose of punitive damages that we argue in these kinds of cases is to do exactly that, reform the company and make them pay restitution, make it hurt and make them change. So they're already kind of getting out ahead of it, which is another reason to do something like this with this um, independent investigation, with the setup of a fund, with the reform that they're trying to implement ahead of time. This has actually happened to us in some cases where they have put in credit monitoring or other different reform into the company policy and company procedures, which really helps mitigate, which means lessen the punitive damages amount. So the RZIM company is actually doing this ahead of time to help with any potential future punitive damages. We'll see see if that ends up coming out in litigation. The final thing that Rabbi Zacharias Ministries can do if a bunch of lawsuits are filed all over the country or world is unfortunately file for bankruptcy. They can file for bankruptcy, give all their assets, all of their money to the bankruptcy court and let them decide how to split it up between all the victims and all the creditors that may um, be in line for Rabbi Zacharias Ministries. And then they can fold that corporation and potentially start a new one, start a new ministry, start still trying to do the work they were trying to accomplish before, probably won't call it Rabbi Zacharias Ministries anymore um, and just move on into the next step and just give everything they have to the victims and say, split it up however the court feels necessary and not try to fight it. So those are the three options. You can either pay everyone, fight it one sort of way. I gave some different options or you can file bankruptcy. So that's what we're looking at. And this is a sad end to, to something that really seemed like a redeemable life. Um, and it's really sad that it came to this point. But these aspects of this case can be applied to so many of the corporate scandals that you see in the news. So I figured I'd break this one down um, a little further. It hits close to home. I read a lot of Ravi's books. I, I loved watching his debates. He was a brilliant guy, but obviously demonized with you know sexual deviancy. And, and it's something that really came to a head. And unfortunately, it was too late to really get any redeeming qualities or any repentance from him or, or any 
apology from him to these victims before he died. So now we just have to deal with the aftermath. This ministry that is basically like a big corporation has to deal with this aftermath and we'll keep an eye on it and see how things go. Hopefully they make it right or make it as right as they can. Hopefully the victims are made whole or as whole as they can be made. And that's kind of our breakdown of the Rabbi Zacharias scandal. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode. If you have any questions about this or you want to hear us break down a topic, please let us know on one of our social media pages at Tragos Law. And we'll be back with you next time. Mm-hmm.